Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Bottomless Pit Podcast. This week I'm chatting to Spud Murphy from the Comedy Cast, who was previously a guest in episodes 66 and 67, where we talked about all things stand-up comedy. This time around we take things in a very different direction and discuss an idea that I've been mulling over the last few months, which I wanted to put out there to get some constructive feedback on and have my viewpoint challenged. Similar to my discussion in episode 73 with Gemma and Holly from Which Murder About Gun Control in the US. In today's episode though, myself and Spud explore the notion of having pan-national political parties. That is, political parties that are not confined to one nation, but rather campaign for election in multiple countries. I came at this with the angle that it could be a good idea, and Spud was a lot more sceptical. It was a great and interesting conversation, and if you're not too interested in politics, it's also a very light-hearted discussion with some funny moments scattered throughout. Spud's a funny guy, and if you like the sound of him, you should go and check out his podcast, The Comedy Cast, in which he speaks with some of the most up-and-coming stand-up comedians from Ireland and all around the world. As always, if you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to us wherever you're listening from. And if you'd like to get in touch with the show, then feel free to contact us via email to bottomlesspitpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, where we are at the BP Podcast. I'd particularly love for you to get in touch and let me know your thoughts on the topic of discussion in this episode. Whether you agree or not, get in the conversation and let me know what you think. All right, that'll just about do it for this intro. Let's get stuck in to episode 79 of the Bottomless Pit Podcast. The Bottomless Pit. Find us on social media and everywhere you get podcasts. The reason that I came up with this uh, statement, this idea, is because a really good friend of mine is one of one of the early members of a of a new political party that's sort of starting to ga- gain traction within Europe. Uh, I'm not going to mention their name because I don't want to either, you know, sort of show that I'm 100% supporting them or equally I don't want to misrepresent the things that they're doing because I'm not entirely sure of mm-hmm, everything because mm-hmm. I'm not involved with them but they kind of gave the idea of, of me giving this statement it, they're the first party to ever have tried doing this have like a pan-European political party and they are doing it with the you know the best intentions and with a really um, positive outlook and, and they're wanting to, it, to, to bring people closer together and all that kind of stuff but at the same time, there will, of course, be downsides and negatives. And uh, just before we kick off and sort of get into the conversation, would you just like to say what your, not necessarily your political ideology is on things, but just what your kind of interest is in politics in general, so we know where you're coming from, and then your kind of initial initial response to that statement around, you know, maybe it being, I think it being a good idea to have these sort of pan-national political right, parties. Well, you see, James, like... I was a journalist, I was a kind of still am a journalist. And when I when I'm thinking about stories like, like this, I, I try and look at it from both sides, you know. That's kind of the way I read the news anyway, you know. I don't get all my news from the Guardian, I don't get it all from the Indo, you know, I'll 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 dip in and out of, of of the telegraph and stuff like that. And I'm talking about British news here obviously. Because you know, you need to see you need to try and get right, well what's what kind of slant is actually on this? Who is spinning it? What way? That kind of thing. And I was thinking about, about your statement today and I was thinking, look, I, I can definitely see arguments for it and against it as well. And I, I think if you argued this from a point that this would be a good thing and it would bring Europe closer together and all like that, I think you would get a lot of goodwill from people on that. But, but... <laughs> 
I think you, you would you would only be a couple of very short steps away from author, uh, full authoritarian rule if things go slightly bad. You know, it would only take like one or two elections that went the wrong way, and then and then you 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 have a dictator then ruling the European Union. And and people are idiots. <laughs> yeah, there is that. People there, are there, idiots. There is that aspect of it as well. But I mean, at the moment with the EU, there's the, one of the big criticisms of it is that the, the EU Parliament or the the kind of the people who head up the EU they are unelected, uh, and that is therefore an undemocratic sort of leadership of that of that union. Uh, and what's the difference between the the problem of you know if they were all united if they were with one political party or the European countries then it leaves it open to a dictatorship sure but that's the case for any country that you know any any country at all the US for example which is you know similar size in 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 mass as as the EU could equally have the same thing happen so why do you think that might be a a negative particularly for these pan national parties what's the the difference there. It's oh, a good question. I suppose the um, how to explain this now. It comes from two very kind of different histories, you know. Like I've been watching this um, documentary uh, on Netflix called um, I think it's just called The West. It's very good, and it's all about how um, how the United States was kind of formed after the um, after the Civil War, even. So it's how all like the Western states came to be states, and then how they joined uh, the rest of America. Okay. And I mean that that just tells you that that was their standpoint. Their thing was, right, we'll set up kind of country states within this big landmass that we stole off the natives. But but we with, with the goal of joining this big huge powerful thing that's going to become amazing. However, in Europe it was like, uh-oh, like we can't have more wars, lads. We just we we cannot do this. Like we're just killing so we we need to join because it's a necessity rather than a kind of choice even though it was a choice you know and and the thing is with the dictatorship like let's let's say you know i don't know Theresa may starts uh, uh or, you know goes full-on fascist and becomes a dictator and and, and 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 britain becomes a dictatorship like where i'm living in poland that, that's fine do what you want <laughs> lads be a dictatorship i mean it's crap for everyone living there that's terrible well not for everyone for the people who are uh, you know against her but if there was a whole pan-european thing it's like ah come on i don't want to go to war i have to go to war now for some political bullshit ah you know if, if, it's, if i'm gonna go to war i want to have a reason not not politics <laughs> you know what Fair i mean enough, the, uh, the whole thing of like uh like you said, the EU, you know, was, was kind of initially, or the European uh, communities, I think it was called back in the time when it was founded, was, yeah, to try and bring peace amongst European countries. You know, we just come off the back of two horrendous world wars and recovering from that. And ever since the, the European economic community has been founded, there, of course, has been no war amongst these EU countries and that would be an argument to say actually possibly bringing you know countries closer together reduces the risk of of wars happening anyway and and therefore Mm -hmm. would having one political party one one party to rule them all as it were without getting too far into Lord (laughs) of the Rings would that not be another step forward towards bringing these different countries closer together and therefore further reducing the risk of something like war well yeah yeah of course it is like when, when you put it in in words like that yeah of course but the, but the thing is is that 
Right, I'll, I'll have to explain kind of the Irish political system for you yeah, and where I'm kind of ahead. coming from and then, and, then, and then where I am here in Poland then as well, right? So in Ireland, anyone can become a, a member of parliament, right? It's, it's pretty easy. You can stand at your local election and if you get enough votes, uh, you're in. And we have proportional representation as well. So you always have, you always have a chance, really. If, if you're someone who has a good standing in the community or you're someone who's done a lot of work, work with charity, da 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 then you, mean, you have a good chance of becoming a politician. So uh, these are in, these don't have any affiliation with any parties. They're independent, and they go in and they make you know, they make a con- proper contribution to how the country is run. And this is on on in both uh, levels of the government, so the upper house and the lower house. Now, however, in Poland, you cannot stand as an independent person. You have to have a party. So that means you need to set up something which has you know treasurers, accountant, well same thing, uh, treasurers and and all these different positions that you need to have to be a political party. Okay, so you need to do that. And then when you do that, you have whatever. Even if it's only two people running, you have that. But then you have to get something which you have to get five percent of the total vote, which is insane. That's just an insane amount of numbers. Mm-hmm. So Poland can never have. And independent voices. Now, now there's this there's this crazy guy here called Corvin Mickey, Mickey, and he has gotten lots of headlines in in, in Britain in particular because he's very um, he's, he's not even very right wing. He's just batshit crazy. Like he wanted to to like one of his ideas was he wanted to legalize child pornography because it means that all children would be safe except for the child actors and they would be child actors. Uh, but, and this was a way what? to facilitate the need. This was a yeah, yeah. So the pedophiles would be sold these videos or given these this pedophile material, and that would make them happy. And they wouldn't be actually trying to go out and and do horrible things to kids because they'd have this child porn. You get me? This is his Jesus. thinking. He's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So now the thing is, and 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 he's for like the legalization of guns in Poland. Uh, he's for, um, and he's very like kind of libertarian in his economic views and stuff like that. Now, I, now I think he's actually crazy. But however, like he he got tons and tons of votes in his local area, but because uh, his party didn't reach this five percent threshold, he wasn't allowed to be uh, a part of uh, parliament which means that all those votes are completely pointless which i don't agree with like i think well i think okay he, he got enough votes he should be in there even as just an independent person because then people will go oh jesus he's mental yeah. <laughs> you know and, and 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 they won't side with him on anything like i think it's better for, because now he's kind of a martyr you know what I mean? It's like, oh, the, the political system won't let me be a part of it and he can carry on like that for the next four or five years so my point here with, with all this is that I, I think that if there is like these like huge big pan-European parties, then the little man, the little voice, the one, the, 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 the independent guy, he's just going to be drowned out and he's never going to be a part of political processes. You know what I mean? That's what I'd be afraid of. I, I would just be afraid of the, of, 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 of the little man losing his voice. That's a very good point, because then you might end up with something similar to, again, I'm just going back to the States just because of the similar sort of size of, of that compared to the EU, particularly where every election, it is pretty much just two parties in it. It's Democrats and Republicans. No one else really oh, gets exactly. to look in. Yeah. So that's an interesting point, but that would just suggest possibly that then maybe the way in which the voting system or the d- democratic system works in a large, let's say, united block like the EU should then follow some sort of system similar to how it's done in Ireland rather than the way it's done in Poland. It doesn't necessarily mean that having a big pan-national party is inherently going to leave out the little man. It's just the way in which that voting process has to happen 
needs to consider the fact that the way things run in, for example, Poland, already that does sort of mean the little man can't get a look in uh, and maybe follow some sort of system like the way it's done in Ireland. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's got it, it. If it ever comes to happen, it's going to be a big headache for anyone involved with it. Anyway, that's for sure. Oh, 100 percent. So, like I said, this party <laughs> that I'm that I'm aware of that uh, you know my friend is is very uh, much ingrained with and, and quite high up within. Um, but one of the big things that they're trying to that or that they that they they want to do is kind of look at what the EU has. Look at each individual country because every country in the EU has its own you know unique culture, its own unique thing that it brings to the table. And for example, Finland is it's widely known has the best education system in the world. Now, what they want to do, what this party wants to do is look at Finland and look at why is their education system so much better than everyone else's? Why is it functioning that well and having such good results? And they want to take what is working well in Finland and try and apply it to other countries so that overall the level of education is brought up. And this is just one example. They want to take the best things from sort of every country and try and apply it all. But the the big headache comes in is then, of course, part of the reason why the education in Finland will be so good will be to do with the way their society runs. And it won't just be purely the school system. And so they that could then you could you could argue might lead to well we're just going to sort of blanket canvas every country and sort of that will undermine other cultures and other societies and we'll be left with this kind of really dull vanilla everyone's the same kind of wearing yeah, grey yeah, suits yeah, type of course, thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But they're very aware of that and they want to try and look at what the seeds are of this successful for in this example education system in Finland and apply it to an extent that they can in other countries considering those other countries respective cultures as well of course and if you can cherry kind of cherry pick the best things that happen in certain countries and you know you can go it's, it's why like ireland was the first country that had like proper uh, sms me- messaging on phones oh, okay. and it t- because it took off because it took off so well then other countries were like oh okay it works yeah let's do that and you know we were i think ireland was the first to have the smoking ban that worked in okay it's kind of like well if it works in that small little shithole then it'll, it'll work in, <laughs> in in nice cosmic cosmopolitan places you know and no no I, I i totally get that and and as well but yeah look you do kind of have to be careful like you don't want everywhere being the same because like everywhere's already turned into everywhere the same like if you <laughs> walk down the, the what do you call it in, in england called the high street. you walk down the high street in london you walk down the high street in vienna or in milan and barcelona they're all the same shops yeah and everyone's dressing this everyone's wearing zara or h&m with their starbucks coffee and it's like jesus what the fuck happened to us <laughs> you know you know but uh, I, I, I've been thinking a bit about lately about uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best again to learn Polish. And it's a very, very difficult language. Sure. And I don't know if you know, but the, the man who invented the... Um, oh, what's the name of that language? Uh, damn it. Uh, what's that utopian language that oh. proper nerds speak? <laughs> um, oh, man, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Esperanto. There Esperanto. you go. Yeah. So the man who invented Esperanto was a, was a Polish uh, Jew. And he it, and it was kind of he was um, utopianist, and he wanted to have a language that everyone could speak and everyone could learn uh, very quickly, and and I think stuff like that is a good idea. Like if I was in charge of the EU, I'd be like, you know, what, let's get rid of this English bullshit, and let's let's learn uh, Esperanto because. There was a report report put out a few months ago, and it said that like I think they'd save something like two hundred billion euros per year or something like that if if they changed from uh, English being like the main uh, taught language of the European Union, and instead if they changed it to um, Esperanto, then um, they would just save a ton more money, and it's big and and it's faster because it's 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 pretty easy to learn. 
there's not a huge amount of grammar to learn in it. Like English grammar is, a, it's a it's a nightmare. Right. <laughs> you know, we just don't we, we just don't realize it because we 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 have been taught to speak it from an early age. But teaching like trying to teach someone like why English has thirteen tenses. I mean that's <laughs> not easy. You know, you know. And trying to get them to understand it and 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 like the I before E except after C, which isn't actually a rule no. at all. It's it's the complete opposite. It's true. So it's like well what the hell like so. Yeah, I, I think stuff like that. Well, I'm close. This kind of has a ring of Game of Thrones about it because you know there's there's like this High Valerian that that they speak as the common tongue, isn't it High Valerian? No, no, not, not High Valerian. But there's the common tongue which they all speak to speak to each other in the books. And you know we could have that in Europe as well. Like we all speak, you know, Polish in Poland, English in in England, and its variations in, in Scotland and Ireland and Wales. And but then we have this kind of common lingua franca, and it's, it's not English. It's Esperanto. I think I think pretty cool. You yeah. Know? Do you think that would be a good idea then to have this kind of common language amongst all the all the countries? Yeah, I do. I think it could. Be, I think it kind of could be something that could be used to kind of bring people bring people a bit more together and kind of get get people thinking that okay, we are kind of one thing. Because like, I think that's what they were trying to do with the euro coin. It didn't work because they gave people the option of taking on the euro, and mm. they shouldn't have done that. They should have said, no, no, this is going to be our currency. Uh, like it or lump it. If you if you if you don't like it, then then good luck. Goodbye. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so where 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 are you drawing the line then? As far as so you you obviously it sounds like you're very much for you know people coming together rather than putting up barriers and all that kind of stuff. Possibly even having this this language that's pan-national Esperanto. Where what is it then about the idea of the pan-national political party that is where you're sort of drawing the line here? Well, it's just because I'm 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 a cynical old fart when it comes to <laughs> politics. You know. With all the respect to your friend, I'm sure he's a lovely person. But I don't, I don't think that there's a single political party out there who actually has the best interests of the people in general at heart. I think all of them just want power. They just want uh, to stay in power because it lines their pockets with more money. Like I know, I know a couple of local lads here who are involved in local politics, and it's done as as a side as a side job, you know, which is fine. Okay, you have your normal nine to five, and then they have this side gig, and they also put in, you know. 10 15 20 hours a week but the thing is is that like that side job brings them like three or four times the money of their normal job and 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 the campaigning they do and the buttons that they push to try and get people to vote for them they're not doing it because they want the country to get better they're not they're doing it because it's they're earning money that's (laughs) it like so like the way i look look at kind of politics and politicians now is that it's a career it's, that's all it is. It's just their career. This is what they've chosen to do. And they've gone into, into it hell for leather. And they will bend over backwards and say anything and everything to get your votes so that they can stay in power. It's like, I don't know if, if you know too much about Irish politics, but we have our main parties are called Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And the difference in them is the name. <laughs> okay. that's it man there really is there's no economic differences in them they they the socially they are pretty much on the same page you know when it comes to like uh, you know women's rights and child's rights and all that kind of stuff, they're exactly the fucking same you know it's just one is kind of an urban party Fine Gael, and the other is a more rural party Fianna Fáil and it's like well, what's the point in having these two parties which are exactly the same they may as well just be one and yeah, I just I'm, I'm jaded I'm jaded by yeah. politics I completely get that and I obviously can't speak for this this party that's sort of this pan-european uh, party that's given me this idea but I know that the attitude of my friend who's involved in it is 
pretty much exactly what you just said. It's the same belief. It's that, the well, particularly when it comes to these career politicians that have studied politics at A-level, they've gone to university, got a degree in politics, and they've gone straight into working for, in the UK, for example, Labour or Conservative Party or whatever, and they've never known anything else. They're so out of touch. You see these people talking on the news, on whatever... They're so out of touch with reality. Yeah. So look, I mean, look at you, look at you, like Boris Johnson and what's his name, Reese. Exactly. I mean, he looks like the bad. Remember the little nerdy kid from the Beano? What was his name? Cut, <laughs> cut, Cutbirth was that his name? Yeah, he looks, yeah, he looks yeah. exactly like him. It's freaky, you know. But anyway, no, I shouldn't be judging someone on on, on what he looks like. No, but I, I remember reading about him uh, in in the first time he was elected. He was uh, he was put up to run in this uh, backwater up in Scotland, and uh, the guy who was kind of the kind of main kind of researcher uh, up there was a Scottish Conservative, obviously, and he just said that like he was the rudest, most horrible. Part. He had a nanny. <laughs> he was a grown man, and he had a nanny come with him, and he didn't care about the local stuff at all. And that was his first seat to, to get into get into Parliament. In. Well, no, the reason I bring that up, the reason I'm saying that is that that's my, you know, my friend's criticism of politicians is that they, they don't do anything else. They've never done anything yeah. else. Is that's exactly what he's not doing. You know, he's he has worked in just clothes shops and he's worked in different areas and studied different things. You know, he's got a degree in a completely unrelated subject whilst having this interest in politics. And so he's coming from it from an angle of actually, you know, knowing what your average person is and what, what a normal life is like you know and uh and also for example you know for the first three or two or three years he was working for nothing over well over 40 hours a week towards his political party so it's not been about money you know it's and again i'm just talking about one person yeah, yeah, i'm not yeah, speaking yeah, yeah. for this whole party i don't i don't know in my eyes it's a refreshing outlook on politics and what what he is trying to do with this party is a refreshing outlook in my mind compared to exactly what you just described as being the the boring old politicians who don't have the best interest of the yeah. country at the in, at heart. They have the best interest of themselves at heart. You know this. What's going on now with this with this pan European party does appear to be at least you know so far a refreshing outlook. Now obviously only time will tell whether that becomes the case or not. But as things stand. There are very few negatives that at least I can see towards what they're doing. You know. Yeah, no, look, I mean, we need we we need idealists. You know what I mean. We need people who are creative thinkers to set up these things. It's just that when um, who was making this argument eh, a while ago? I was watching them talk about. Ah, it's Jordan Peterson. That was it. That controversial guy who people hate, even though they never listen to his lectures at all. But he was yeah. saying that look, we need these idealists and creative people because they're the ones who invent things and they come up with new ideas and new ways of thinking. And then he said, but then he said, but then the problem is that like idealists get bored when they get tied down, so they want to keep doing other stuff. This is why you have people like Elon Musk who sets up you know ten di- different companies trying to do different things, and they, and he, they can't really settle down on stuff. No, and then he makes a flamethrower on the side (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. and then like the more kind of conservative people see that something is happening and they're like okay i want to be a part of that then they get in and then it kind of slows things down this this is just the natural the way of everything so like we definitely need people like him and i mean more power to him if if he does think that he can bring actual change but for the benefit for for the benefit of the people and i mean for who am i to stand in his way you know i hope i hope i'm wrong and i hope it works out for him i really do and like Okay, what do you think of this idea? I've 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 had this kind of discussion with a good few people, and it <laughs> we never end up in a clear answer. No one ever wins <laughs> in this, right? But it's kind of I've always thought that like because I'm an old punk at heart, you know, I'm a bit a bit of an anarchist. 
but 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 I don't mean I don't mean like going out and smashing cops' faces or anything like that. I mean that like just doing things on a kind of cooperative kind of level. So like, what would you say to something like there was something like national service as as being a politician? So say for example, like the best four or five doctors in Ireland they kind of run the health system on a rotating system so like they come in and do it for two years and then the next guy now they don't all start at the same time they all start like you know six months or a year after each other kind of thing so there's always people coming in and going out but like the best the best people with the best heads and the smartest people are running stuff instead of like in ireland where it's all fucking you know former teachers and publicans and landlords who are running our country into the ground Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, in the UK as well, we've got... They just rotate their politicians. Whoever's in the in the power at the moment just rotates their politicians around being head of health, head of education, whatever. They, they're career politicians, like we've already discussed. They've got no real experience in that field. I, I, I'd be completely for having whatever criteria you have to measure who's the top person in that area. But I'd be more than happy to have the top medical doctor being sort of responsible for the department of, of health in yeah. for any any period of time and likewise for educate all the different so types why, of things why, why why do you think then people like like doctors and industry leaders they don't get into politics is it just because in the private system they just make a hell of a lot more money because I, I i presume the best doc the best irish doctors best british doctors they make a lot more money doing their actual job than you know doing a bit of moonlighting in politics yeah well yes almost certainly they'll make more money doing that i guess it would depend on what their motivation is for you know if if they're work if if they're working within a system that they think is broken and if they think they can make a difference i mean i think at the moment it's so unlikely that a doctor let's say within the nhs because there's a lot of criticisms with the way that's run is going to be able to get any traction by him, him or herself you know to to get to a level where they can make an impact on politics whilst also trying to practice medicine and and you know work yeah. within their their field of expertise i think you'd have to be looking at someone who's probably on the tail end of their professional career as far as you know let's let's just take surgeons for example some some surgeon who's got 20 years of experience in the medical field who's maybe in his in his yeah say 50s possibly coming up towards 60 thinking about retirement maybe who might therefore be sort of cutting, curtailing the amount of, of operations he's taking on, the amount of patients he's taking on, and therefore has a bit of extra time and, and has a good sort of overall view of the way things are done. You know, maybe they can give that extra time towards something like this. Uh, yeah. But but I don't know. What, what, do you have an answer to your question? I'm, I'm not sure. No, I, I think the only way to do it would be like, I mean, you'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to go full fascist and like <laughs> put in a law saying you have to do this as part of your um, career or something. And that's, that's that's then you're, you're taking the choice away from people and they, they don't choose to do it they have to do it and and if people are forced to do something then they won't do it for the best interest they'll do a half hour's job and it's kind of like i don't know it's been on one side i'm <laughs> you know I'm, I'm for that kind of old school kind of anarchy kind of thing i kind of fail to understand why people don't want the best for the place they're living in you get me sure like like, like it, bl- it blow, fucking blows my mind people voted for brexit now i know it's, it's it's a long time ago but they did but it still blows my mind it's like what, what you, why did you just shoot yourself in the foot like that you idiots you know but, but it's the same in ireland like, just that's just to give a british example in ireland it's kind of like why did you vote for that clown you know we know he's corrupt he's 
been to tribunals. You know, we know he's corrupt. Why are you voting for him? But anyway, um, but it's just, you know, people are idiots as well. But it's kind of like, like, <clears throat> okay. Well, there's some, hang on. There, there's, there is some of that about, you know, people just, what, like you say, just not knowing or just being stupid or being just reactionary, whatever it is about it. But there's also the problem with misinformation and being told the wrong thing, being told lies. Uh, all this kind of stuff as well that you know a lot of people who voted for brexit did so in good faith because what they were told by what should be reliable sources was in fact false yeah they wanted they wanted bendy bananas it's understandable everyone (laughs) likes bendy bananas (laughs) (laughs) no but it's like like i'm I'm kind of saying it in my head it's like how, how do how how could we get everyone in a country to try and work their best for that country because you see then you're on kind of a slippery slippery slope towards kind of nationalism and you don't want that that's very bad you know what no. i mean like patriotism that's fine but what was charles de gaulle's thing about patriot patriotism is is loving your country oh god what was it there's a good quote from charles de gaulle about patriotism patriotism is loving your fellow man no, it's loving your country. Damn it, I don't remember. Well, Danny basically says nationalism bad, patriotism good. <laughs> you know, um, which is fine. Yeah, okay, you can be patriotic with your country and love your fellow countrymen and all that. But yeah, nationalism is 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 just a, a disease. Uh, Einstein called it a disease worse than worse than measles. And this is when measles was killing people. Well, then again, measles are killing people now again with these anti-vax morons. But, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, James. I mean, I'd, I'd like to be able to convince people to like, look, just go in and 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 do, you know, ten hours a week uh, as a government official, so you don't have to do, you know, and we'll take that off your work. You you be paid at a politician's rate, and and just kind of just just help us fix the country because like having like landlords and pub owners <laughs> and, and your primary school teachers running your country it's it's not good you know it's not like i, I think it'd just be great if like professional people <laughs> ran countries instead of politicians who were like oh yeah sure you know yeah we'll build you a road will you build me a road yeah yeah, yeah we'll build you a road yeah no matter, yeah you'll vote for me now won't you exactly yeah but, but I, I think though that if if there was this like you know big pan-european party with stuff like that i, th- I think it would just kind of end- <sighs> like I don't, I, I don't know like can you see like like i, I can only give you can kind of from a, an irish perspective it's kind of like when you know like when the germans said they wanted their money back and uh, during the recession like ireland pretty much had to do it and we're, we're kind of like uh, okay well this sucks but Sure, what choice do we have? and the greeks kind of put up a fight but they ended up losing in the end and 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 I don't know if I'd be able to see individual countries kind of going for stuff like this. Like, even though they they kind of take order, well, they do take orders from the from the European Union on certain things. You know, on a lot of stuff, most countries are kind of are free to do kind of what they want. In what way would they not be free to do what they want if there was sort of a one one party over you know over the top as far as. So if we if we look at again the US, but it's a, it, that yeah. is a, a unity of fifty separate states, and each state does have its own laws. You know there are some federal laws for the entire country, but each yeah. state does have its own sort of subdivided laws and that kind of thing. And that is you know the most powerful country in the world, arguably. But it seems to be running fine. I mean we mentioned it earlier about the way the overall presidential thing with the two parties and no one else really has a chance. That's not good. Surely the EU could could use that as an example, and they could take the good parts of that that is already a, a tried and tested yeah. thing of uniting different areas of land together, and then also see the negatives and avoid doing those same mistakes. 
because we see within the United States, you know, the different states have their own cultures, mm-hmm. they have their own societies, they haven't necessarily lost that, despite having come together, you know, the, the difference between the East and the West and the North and the South and the, the Central States and the Coastal States and all that kind of stuff, is there's, there's still very distinct differences, despite them all coming under this one big, big umbrella term of the United States of America. Why would it, why would it be that individual countries within Europe might start to lose their identity or, or anything like yeah. that just because uh, look you're pro- you're probably right because these these are the kind of questions that countries had when they were joining the eu you know mm. like I, I know here in poland they had a big lots of debates about that like are we going to lose our sense of who we are if we join this big kind of conglomerate i should say and you know they didn't you know everything's fine everything worked out really well poland is the is the you know shining light of the european union at the minute it's doing so well uh, economically speaking anyway yeah and so yeah i mean i'd have to really wait and see on it you know like i think i like the way you're selling to me it sounds like the benefits do outweigh uh the negatives but at the same time i'd just be afraid that something like that just turns into another layer of bureaucracy that isn't really right. needed because like i mean this this is the thing that everyone hates about the european union it's like okay we do vote in most of the people in it but like you know, nobody voted for Donald Tusk. You know, how did he get that <laughs> job? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I like Donald Tusk. I think Donald Tusk's a cool guy, you know. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, Sean Cod Juncker, he, run, he rubs people up the wrong way. No one voted for him. Do you know, it's like, that's what I think. I think we should be able to vote on who becomes president of the European Union, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, so if you had, so you have your president of the EU, and you have your European Parliament. Now, let's say you had a party that is pan-national within the EU. So it's in Spain, it's in Portugal, it's in France, it's in Germany, it's in Poland, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and a representative from the party in each country is winning the seats in the European Parliament. Now, although that president, if they don't change the bureaucratic laws, the, the Donald Tusk character might not be democratically elected, everyone in that European Parliament uh, would be. And surely, if they are all coming from the same party, they can work together more effectively to to promote change in, in whatever direction it is that the people have voted for and the people want across different uh, countries. Yeah, no, no, of course. I mean, you would hope that. But, I mean, that's why, uh, look, between me, you and your listeners, you're not allowed to tell anyone this, all right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a very good friend who uh, travels a lot to Brussels uh, for uh, work and stuff and he was saying that I, it was just after the brexit vote uh, he was telling me this he was that like you know secretly a lot of the M- all the, MEP- the MEPs over there they're fucking delighted that Britain is leaving because Britain had, has always been the voting block or the people who've always dragged their feet yeah. the most and, yeah, and, yeah. and he, ex- he was explaining to me it's like look if Britain comes up with an idea then everyone has to go with it but when someone else comes up with an idea Britain never wants to go with it and yeah. you know secretly secretly everyone's you know on a European level a lot of people are very happy Brexit's going ahead yeah I completely get that I think that if, if we want to go down that track I think the EU will not miss out too much particularly because they've just made a, a trade deal with Japan and Japan's similar size as the UK but the market's twice as big so they're not exactly yeah. going to feel us leaving 
It's no. the UK that's going to end up on its ass as a result of that, because we'll have zero trade deals with any nation in the whole world, and the borders will be essentially closed because we'll have no air traffic control deals with other countries to sort of help planes get out in and out of the country, and there'll be no uh, rights for ships to go out into any other waters of other countries because there are zero deals in place. We're going to be isolated, and that will have knock-on effects for, well, particularly for Ireland, actually, just because oh, you're yeah. kind of on the other side of us. Uh, bet- yeah. We're sort of in, in between... Uh, yourselves in Europe and it's yeah it's going to be a lot worse for the UK than it is for the EU I think and and it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all that that's the way that some people in Brussels are looking at it and, and yeah. like like the big thing that's come off the back of this already even though the UK hasn't left is the whole thing about this European army having a having an having a transnational army for the eu rather than just having the french army and the british army and stuff like that they're going to have an eu army and that's one of the things that britain has always said no to and now that we're going to leave that's you know every other country is is for that and they're going to push ahead with that and probably that's i think for the better for the eu yeah, well, it means if there is a dictatorship in the future, you know, we'll just roll into we'll roll into London and take it. Thanks very much. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> no, but I don't. I mean, that's that's interesting because in in Ireland has always been against as a general sweeping statement. Ireland has generally been been against this uh, European Union army because we're a we're a nation of cowards, as you know. We're a neutral country. <laughs> Uh, whatever that means and uh, we don't get involved in people's wars even though we kind of do we helped out we helped out Britain a little bit right. during World War Two. we helped out the Yanks we're still helping out the Yanks the Yanks are landing in the, the American army pretty much owns Shannon Airport uh, which is Ireland's, which is the main uh, airport of the west of Ireland. So it's just always full of American uh, troops going to and from wherever they're bombing the shit out of somewhere. Um, <laughs> you can tell from <laughs> how I'm speaking how I feel about that. But um, yeah. yeah, so Ireland's a neutral country, and and people don't people want to keep it that way. They don't want a, a, a European uh, army. But then again, I mean, come on, who can be neutral? It's 2018. Come on, like cop on. We're a tiny country of total insignificance. Uh, <laughs> really, when it comes to to it on on, on a world stage, uh, everyone everyone seems to like us because we're, we're we're good at partying and drinking and having the crack. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, we're not going to have a choice here. You may as well join 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 up. There's nothing. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to send two or three thousand people per year because that's probably half of the Irish army anyway. So it's going to make <laughs> right. no difference. You know, I don't I don't know I don't know how how things are going to go. It's it's really hard to call. Maybe with all my pessimism i am optimistic about the european project i think it is far better to bring people together than to be splitting them up and this is like i mean billy Connolly. Uh, he said he, he was hounded about his um opinion about the scottish referendum he actually can't vote in it because he doesn't, he doesn't live there anymore isn't that yeah. right and he was he his quote was something like look i don't know why we, we should be talking about people coming together rather than rather than falling apart especially the state of the world as it is you know something something like that anyway and and he's right like i mean i i think i think each country's like sovereignty and culture and language and all those things are very very important and uh, to have a sen- sense of identity but jesus christ we're, we're one race you know what i mean like we're the human race like that's all like when people go on about racism i'm like yeah but like really we're one race like stop being dickheads that are humans that's yeah. really what it should be you know instead of being like well you have to be nice to the chinese you have to be nice to the blacks you have to be nice to this yes no just be nice to each other Absolutely. like if we just say you no know, each other we're not 
different. You know what I mean? Like, like I have far more in common with a forty-year-old dude living in the arsehole of nowhere in China than I do with you know Theresa May or Boris Johnson right. or Leo Varadkar. You know, definitely. <laughs> you know, and I kind of wish people were a bit more politically savvy. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the smartest lad in the world. But it's just like, uh, I really worry that people just kind of, they just watch the news and they're like, oh, that's the truth. Because Trevor McDonald said it. It's like, yeah. what? No, it's not. She's just reading lines. He doesn't have a clue. <laughs> you know? And like, oh, well, it was in The Guardian. So, you know, I have to I have to now go vegan and eat quinoa or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> you know, what topped with kale. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, just it's, it's, it's. But look, this, this comes down to a weird kind of personality thing that I have. I've never seen the benefit of being part of groups. You know, like I think being a lone wolf is good because I can stand back and I can judge you all. <laughs> you know, and just go, nah, no, 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 that's wrong. And it's just kind of, but but humans have this thing of like they have to be part of groups and divide and conquer kind of thing you know and it's like just kind of like it's very tribal yeah it's very tribal and i think that i think that tribalness i think we have to move on from that that was stone age stuff when we needed to to band together to you know take down buffaloes and all now like i mean come on what's the hardest thing that's going to happen to you in your daily life today your your internet goes down for five minutes yeah. you know we have very comfortable lives now thank god you know it's and and we should we should you know count our lucky stars on that but like I don't know, man. I just, I, I just. They talk about sometimes about like, they trying to teach things like critical thinking in school, and and, and I wish they kind of would. It's like, you know, just because someone says something to you, it doesn't mean it's the gospel truth. Like you could just kind of question and say, yeah, but what are the other guys saying? And then you're like, and then you try and make up your own mind and stuff. And that's kind of. I, I think it's just kind of the fault of, 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 of the media and stuff, really. It's like, you know, pe- people open a newspaper that has a reputation and they think, okay, this is true. Okay, this is the Irish Times, so this is what happened. Okay, da-da-da-da, okay, and then I'll, I'll go on about my day. Or else you read The Sun or The Star or The Mirror or whatever these things, and you're just like, no, these people are pushing something. They're pushing something on you and just kind of question it and, you know, just kind of think independently for yourself. And yeah. I think we're kind of fucked as a as a species and <laughs> until until that happens, you know. Absolutely, I think uh, yeah. The most important thing is yeah, absolutely question everything and not in a I just re- refuse to believe anything you say and that's that's my answer. It's no, it's it's question <clears> it, but you know try and work out what the 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 motivation is behind what's being said. Don't just either accept thing on face things on face value but at the same time don't just reject them on face value because well i don't i don't know if i can believe you or not you know try and find out what it is if you think it's a good argument or statement or whatever that's been said still question it try and find out where that's coming from and if you know that the the source of that is a good solid foundation then probably you can go ahead and associate yourself with that and likewise if it's something that on the face of it seems outrageous like if you read a lot of tabloid headlines go and have a look at what what they're actually talking about and you know, majority of the time, it's actually nothing. It's just, it's just <laughs> overblown nonsense. You know. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like it's funny in in that like everyone knows that when they watch an advert, they know they're being sold something. But but when they read a newspaper article, they they don't get that. They cannot see the distinction at all. Even though like a newspaper page is full of ads these days, yeah. you know. So you have those ads, who like newspaper editors 
are, are really really afraid to piss off you know you can't say anything bad about like coca-cola in your in your newspaper articles because coca-cola is one of your main uh, advertisers or yeah. mcdonald's or whoever you know so that's there's that element and then there's you know then there's, then there's the element of you know Ru- uncle rupert murdoch is on the phone to his editor saying right well look I didn't like what he said about this. You got to make sure that they're being nicer to the Conservative Party or this, that, and the other. You know, which which happens. I don't know. Maybe that's just kind of my personality. I kind of always looked at stuff and just went, "Why?" <laughs> you know, I think I think I was always like, even at, at like three, four years old, I, I have always had this existential kind of crisis going on. You know, why? Why is it this? Why? You know. <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I mean, we you can't make people be inquisitive. You know, you can't. No. It's impossible. But like, I, I I would just like if people were a bit more um, suspicious of of kind of what they're being told, you know, and a bit more critical of what they're being told by uh, by by those in power. I think we'd all be in a better place if we asked more questions of our of, of our politicians. But you know, at the same time, you know, you work forty hour week, you come home, you have two screaming babies. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not easy to stay to stay up with politics as well. I understand that as well. Yeah, it's a valid point. And just to sort of bring things to a close now, because we've we've gone off a little bit into the into different areas. So I think we're probably coming to the end of this whole pan-European political party kind of discussion. Just to finish off, I still think that this idea of having a party that could spread across international borders within the EU in particular in this case is a good idea. I, I think it certainly holds the potential to bring people closer together and i think we agree that bringing people closer together is is nowadays better than divide and conquer kind of attitude but what you said about the whole you know risk of a dictatorship or things going wrong and and just at the end they're just about questioning what people are doing that needs to be equally thrown into the mix and we have to watch that it's like you know any kind of debate the right can't exist without the left or rather oh yeah it's of course good that the yeah. right exists when the left is there and, and vice versa because yeah. they keep each other sort of swinging back and forward so that we settle somewhere in the middle closest mm-hmm. to what the optimal is and so if we do have this one party r- ruling over over numerous countries then you still need to have viable opponents to that and not just one other opponent like republicans or democrats it needs to be other realistic opponents that could have a have a run at the you know at the top at the top spot but yeah that's that's my kind of closing thought on on that on that topic would you like to to add anything before we finish up well you know it's like homer simpson once said in theory communism works (laughs) are you being that cynical about it already (laughs) (laughs) well it's just like he says in theory communism works because it's this great idea everyone's equal but then but then people get involved in it and then that fucks things up so the only problem with communism is the people is that what you're saying (laughs) Exactly, it's the people who are running it, you know. Which and there, there should never have been people running it. It should have been yeah. all equal, you know. So there, it was it was doomed from the start. But like, I'm not I'm not a communist. If anyone's thinking I'm a fucking communist, I'm not Anton really. I suppose I'm, I am Spud Murphy. That that's pretty much it, you know. Um, look, I I think I think it's a good idea, James. I do. I think it's definitely a good idea. I think there are too many flaws in it for it to work now. I think okay. we need to progress as a more kind of open and more kind of civil society for it to work i think it would work but it's kind of a utopian kind of thing but like if we are trying to make the best of the human race and how we all get along with each other i think it could definitely work uh, in the future you get me absolutely that's that's a really nice nice way to, to close it i think and uh just before we do sort of wrap up this episode i'll give you a chance to to promote your own podcast because believe it or not you're not 
a politics podcast, are you? No, <laughs> no, no, politics rarely comes up. I do like <laughs> to talk about politics, though. Uh, no, uh, so uh, the best way to get my... I run a, a podcast called Comedy Cast, where I interview uh, stand-up comedians from all over the world and comedy professionals and people involved in the business as well. So, uh, yeah, if you want to listen to it, some of the best up-and-coming uh, uh, stand-up comedians from all over the world, go to thecomedycast.com, and there as well you'll find all my like uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook links as well. So, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me on again. It's been great. Well, there you have it, guys. Something a little bit different there, and I hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any comments, criticisms, thoughts, or general musings on anything you've heard today and would like to share them with me, I would really love to hear them. So do get in touch, either on social media, where we are at the BP Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or via email to bottomlesspitpodcast at gmail.com. And likewise, if you enjoyed listening to Spud in this, then go and find his podcast, The Comedy Cast, and give it a listen. And all the information you need on how and where to find it can be accessed by going to thecomedycast.com. That'll pretty much bring us to the end of this week's episode, everyone. So, until next time, bye-bye. The Bottomless Pit Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.